The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Hello and welcome to Baseball Barbacast, the only baseball podcast in the world whose stuff is always sticky. I'm Jake Mintz. That's Jordan Schusterman. And we'll take any advantage we can get. Don't worry, Jake. Uh, you can use whatever you want. I'm not going to kick you off this podcast. I have no problem with it whatsoever. Uh, excited to join you guys here on this Friday morning on this episode of Baseball Barbecast. We are going to talk about Jake's trip to the Coliseum, which it sounds like it did not disappoint whatsoever. We're going to talk about the San Diego Padres and the mess that they are currently in. Check in on the Mets and Yankees. Finally, a baseball podcast talking about those two teams. We're going to ask some players why they haven't homered yet and, of course, finish out with the good, the bad, and the ugly. But Jake... You are still in the great state of California. I know you have a lot of uh, non-baseball responsibilities this week with a wedding coming up, but we also know that you are in a different time zone than me. And before we get to your Oakland Coliseum experience, I know that as you record this very early on Friday morning, which I, me and Chris, of course, appreciate, uh, what, what, what is your take on, on being on the West Coast as, as a baseball enjoyer beyond you know being at a baseball game like you were at the Coliseum? Well, I mean, I think the time zone preference just depends on your, the your, like how you prefer to live your life. You know, you and I are late, late night owls, and so we like to have extra games going into the evening rather than like what I've had to think about, which is like waking up, eating breakfast, going to the gym, and there's a game on. And it's very bizarre for me. I don't like it. What I don't like about it is that when you're at a game, working a game there are like tons of other games already going on and so like if you're if you're like at batting practice for like a Dodgers game say and it's four o'clock local like you're missing all of the other teams playing on the east coast versus the alternative where you can do the east coast games and then do the west coast games if that makes sense yeah to me it's a combination of that and even if you're not working a game, say you're just out to dinner or whatever, like the beauty of the East Coast is you get home and there's a game on. Like you can go out and, and do stuff and still have baseball on when you return. Now, the pitch clock has already started to take some of this away with fewer games on the East Coast. Uh, you know, Mariners games, of course, I've been used to staying up for Mariners games for you know over a decade now. 
And, you know, in some ways, it's nice that they aren't necessarily going past 1 a.m. At the same time, <laughs> there's also some comfort in always having those West Coast games on between 12 and 1 Eastern. And we just are having way fewer of those now, which is in some ways good. But also just I'm already adjusting to that. Not having any on past, you know, 10 or 10 or 1030 where you are local time is just I just can't do it. And I know that West Coast people are like, oh, isn't it great to wake up with baseball and I or wake up with whatever sport you like watching in the afternoon? Like, no, I don't. I would rather have my morning and uh, have baseball on from, you know, once dinner is over to I am falling asleep. So that's just our preference. And I know you're, you're feeling that now. But the good news is that there are baseball teams for you to actually attend. And you joined a, a brave crowd of, let's see what the official title, uh, total was, 4,159. 4, yes. yes, yes. 4,159 people reportedly, allegedly, officially attended the Oakland A's hosting the Arizona Diamondbacks on Wednesday afternoon. Now, you do not count in that uh, gate uh, number because you are a member of the media. But uh, let's, I don't know where you want to begin here. Uh, this is something you've been looking forward to for a few weeks. You kind of tease it on, on Wednesday's episode. But talk, uh, talk a little bit about your experience because uh, I'm, I'm fascinated to hear about it. Like we mentioned on Wednesday, we had been to the Coliseum before, but not like this. So what I really want to get across to people who have not been to the Coliseum or have not been there recently is just how neglected the entire thing is. Okay. Now it's important to understand why it's neglected. It's been neglected because of the ownership group doesn't want to invest in the team and the stadium and whatever. That's not really what I'm talking about here. The stadium itself is so far gone compared to other baseball stadiums in the league. It is comical. And when we sit here and we say, oh, the Coliseum is a problem. We are looking at it from afar. We are not interacting with it on a daily basis. And to see the physical space of the Coliseum it is so glaringly obvious that the status quo is not sustainable because that place has been left to rot. It is a remarkable testament to what this franchise used to be, could be, and should be, but is not right now. So the other thing to remember about situations like this is we make a lot of notes about, we say, oh my God, well, the team sucks. Why would you go see if the team sucks? So many people go to baseball games because it's fun to go to baseball games. And that is a huge portion of the crowd, as you're pointing out, Jake, that just is not going to exist anymore because it's just not pleasant. It's just not an enjoyable experience. Now, like you said, there's still going to be some people that go no matter what. But those are another group of people where it's just, it's not a cool thing to head on down to the A's game on a Monday night, the way it is at plenty of other ballparks across the game, regardless of what the record is for the team. Well, there's also, you can't stumble upon the site, right? Like there are people staying in downtown San Francisco where Oracle Park is, who could just be in town and be like, hey, let's go to the game. You can't do that with Oakland. I mean, there are other stadiums where you can't do that either, like Arlington or, you know, Kansas City is another one. But this is definitely a bit of that. I, I just want to walk you through the day, if you don't mind. Please. So, like, I take the Uber there. I get out of the car. And there's, like, a thousand people in the parking lot. And I'm like, what the hell is that? Like, in a line. Like, what is going on? I walk over there. That evening, there was a show at Oracle, or I guess not Oracle anymore, where the Warriors used to play, which is still there next to the Coliseum, for Suga who is one of the big K-pop stars. 
And so the line in the parking lot for early merch was about, I asked the organizer, they said yesterday there were about 1,900 people. So that's like half, almost half of the people who showed up to the A's game showed up to the parking lot of the concert 12 hours beforehand to buy a t-shirt. And meanwhile, I was like, yeah, I'm here for the baseball game. They're like, oh, there's a baseball game? I was like, yeah, there's a baseball game. So you walk into the Coliseum and it's nothing's marked. You know, it's like a con it's all concrete. That's the other thing to remember. Like everything is cinder block and brutalist. And it reminds you of like the Edgar J. Hoover FBI building. Like it's all very simple. And that's of its time, obviously, but it's very noticeable. And there's again, there's just stuff lying around everywhere. I heard stories that there are like go-karts somewhere out in Mount Davis. I saw a payphone on the concourse that easily could have been removed like 10 years ago. I tried it, no dial tone. The numbers still beep when you hit them. I tried to call Jordan, it didn't go through. Uh, like that is an appendix that in most older stadiums would have been removed. Like there's no way you can find a payphone in Dodger Stadium, right? But to remove that would have cost money. And they decided not to do it because the facility's budget is crazy low. And so, like, to me, that was an example, right? That there's this payphone there, like um, like a big, like, skin tag on your face, right? I guess a small skin tag. And you could get it removed, right? But John Fisher was like, no, we're going to have this here for everyone. Forever. I took a walk through the suites out in Mount Davis um, and it was totally abandoned. Now, I don't know if I got back there by myself because I had a credential or they just let people up there, but I walked up there and I opened the door to these suites and like, there's nothing in there. They're like, they have not been serviced for years, but you can walk in and just, they're there. And I just sat in there and watched an inning of baseball from the suites out in center. No one bothering me. I didn't see anybody. It's just abandoned. It feels like an abandoned convention center that has a baseball in it at points. But and yeah, go ahead. You go ahead. I was just going to say like, you mentioned, right, it would cost money, but once you kind of cross the threshold of not caring anymore, then it just goes, it, you know, it's a slippery slope where you are literally going to service none of it. It's not like you're going to half-ass to make some, I mean, obviously they have to make it functional enough to actually host major league game, 81 major league games this year, but they are doing, as you say, the literal bare minimum for that to be the case. Yeah, and that sucks because this, it, like, it kind of falls on the people there but it's not their leaders aren't there's not enough maintenance staff they're not given the tools they need to keep the place what it needs to be and it's not by a lack of trying like it's not like they're lazy facilities people or anything right it's just not an organizational priority and they keep it as nice as it possibly could you know you, you walk the concourse and there's just full concession stands that are closed and like you don't know the last time that they were open mm -hmm. right it's things like that I walked up to the to the tippity top and like there are still some beer cans in and like some beer cups like in seat backs. And it's just the little things like that that don't happen in a big league stadium. Now, I want to be very clear. I loved it. I loved every part of it. Calling this place the last dive bar is very fitting. It is a shithole. It really is. But when the team is good and people are packing the place, it's an endearing shithole, right? When it's empty, it's a depressing shithole. And that's what it felt like the other day.
Yeah, and uh, of course we we feel for these fans. And and listen, this is clearly still an ongoing story. All kinds of messy stuff with Vegas and and the Oakland City still getting involved. And you know, once we have more substantial news on that front, I guess we'll cover it. But I'm glad you went there. I'm glad you experienced it. And uh, and yeah, I assume you'll you'll be writing about it at some point. But thank you for that sneak peek there. And and yeah, this is it's really really something. And they's lost, right? They they lost. They lost in spectacular fashion unspectacularly they tied it with like a three-run homer in the eighth and it was like oh well they're gonna lose and then they did yep that is the ace all right speaking of teams that lose a lot at sun in california the san diego padres question mark question mark question mark question mark just lost a home series to the kansas city royals this is a good transition a team that lost a home series to the oakland a's just a few weeks ago, okay? So that is really what we're talking about here. Jake, we knew we'd be talking about the Padres a lot this season, basically no matter what, although this is not where I thought we would be on May 19th for more reasons than one. So I know you haven't necessarily been as locked in uh, to to, to games uh, this week because you've been traveling, and I can say the same, but you pull up the standings, you see the San Diego Padres behind the San Francisco Giants who just swept the Philadelphia Phillies. And you can keep screaming, it's May, it's May, it's May. That's fine. Uh, they're not very good right now. And in that division where the Dodgers aren't exactly going to slow down, let alone the D-backs who look pretty solid, like what are we adjusting expectations here? Where are you at with the Padres? It seems as if the city has adjusted expectations, Jordan, because they went out and got a soccer team over the last week. They were so fed up with the Padres, they said, I guess we'll watch MLS, <laughs> you know? Yeah. The 12th best league in the world. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's steeping to new lows. Sorry, MLS fans. Um, yeah, that's that's maybe a good way to put it. Or is that a related uh, development or not? Who's to say? Uh, well, here's the, it, thing. It, uh, the reason that yeah. that's relevant to me, right, is so Manny Machado is a minority owner of the new MLS soccer team in San Diego. And he went to the like unveiling or the announcement or whatever. And he's in a nice suit and he said some words and it's Manny Machado. Great. And it felt weird to see him there because in my in my heart of mind, a part of my brain, I'm like, yo, you got to be in the cage grinding right now, my man. Like your OPS plus is like it starts with an, it's like 86 or whatever. Like you got to be getting better. You're out here buying a soccer team. That's the wrong mentality. Like there was a part of my brain that was thinking that. And then I was like, you're dumb. Like that's a hilarious thing for me to think. But then it made me realize like, if things were going well with the Padres, Machado showing up to this thing and being involved would be sick. Be like, oh, he's the man who, like, he's the face of sports in San Diego after the Chargers left and they brought him in and he revitalized the Padres and he packed Petco Park. And now he's going to do the same with the, you know, San Diego beach kickers or whatever the fuck. And instead I saw him, I was like, he's got to be in the gym. Yeah. Yeah, and it seems like we follow a lot of Padres fans on Twitter, and it does seem like there is certainly some some discontent. And I don't know where they're at on your your the panic meter you introduced at Fox Sports earlier this week, which I certainly appreciated. Uh, but yeah, because right on one hand, it's like people you know they're showing up. They they had this great uh, charity gala last night, and they did one of those videos that they were doing in spring training where they asked everyone with the mini mic what they're wearing. And I was like, okay, I'm sure there's some people like, this is, we can't be making jokes right now. We're 20 and 24. But I was like, actually, maybe this is exactly what they need is to do one of these goofy videos again and tell them what, you know, $7,000 shoes they're wearing. And maybe they can pick it up uh, this weekend. But I don't know. I mean, they got, they got the Red Sox. 
<laughs> the Red Sox coming to town, another team that's in kind of a weird spot this season. But I'm, I mean, here's the thing. I, I just, I just wrote about this this week at Fox. Like, I, I know people have made a lot of them hitting, having the worst batting average with runners in scoring position of all time, and that's a problem, right? Like, we we don't like that. Uh, but they also have the worst batting average in the league anyway, overall. So it's not like a situation where they just happen to not be coming up with the clutch hit. Like they're hitting 226. And you can say, oh, batting average doesn't matter. Okay, that's fine. But if your runs per game, which is a much more straightforward metric, you're ranked 26th in the league, that's also not good. And it's not good enough. And I'm looking at these players, and sure, Tatis has been pretty good. Soto has picked it up. Bogarts has cooled off, but has been pretty solid. The rest of the team's just stunk. Like, it's just, we're just not getting any production, any like high level production from any of those role players. And the pitching is simply average. Like, the guys are famous and the stuff is good. It's not a bad pitching staff, but it's not good enough to hold up what has been an extremely lackluster offense. And that's how they got to this point. Yeah. I'm, I'm confused about what to do here because two months ago, we were like, this is it. Like, this team. They built it. They went for it. They did it the right way. And I think a lot of Padres fans on opening day were just hyped. Like, they were amped. They did not have many critiques of this team, right? Understandably so. And it's still the same team that we weren't critiquing a month and a half, two months ago, right? Like, the players are the same. Some of them have just underperformed. Now, they've underperformed, like, against the expectations of the fan base and against the expectations of the front office. And so I think, like, as a fan, even though it's incredibly frustrating, I'm sure it's more just confusing for Padres fans who were promised this raucous celebratory circus of a season, and instead it's just hand-wringing and consternation. Yeah, until Tatis was back, it was like, oh, Tatis isn't here. But we don't don't have injuries to point to right now. We we really don't. I mean, I know... I think Lugo is is got hurt in some of the pitchers. Obviously, Musgrove was out to start the year. He's been really not very good since he got back. Like these are the guys, and it's just not working. And I don't really know what to make of that. I know there are some people in baseball that look at what AJ Preller has done and say, "Ha ha, that's a fantasy baseball team. That's not a real team. They're not going to actually be good." I mean, I didn't fully agree with that, but it's certainly what it looks like so far. And I hope that's not true because I do like watching these groups and I love so many of these players. I'm not rooting against the Padres, but it's just it's just not clicking. Do I think they're doomed? No. But as you said, we can't just pin it on injuries. I mean, some of these other teams that have struggled, you'd be like, oh, well, they're missing like four of their nine best players. You just haven't been able to say that about the Padres. Sure, with Musgrove and Tatis, but we're, we're, they've been back for weeks now and they're, they've been even worse. So I don't really know uh, what to make of it here. And I just, I hope they can turn it around soon because I would like for them to be an important, relevant part of this season. And so far, it's just been ugly. So they're also interesting to think about when you compare them to the Dodgers, right? The Dodgers who heading into the season behind Freeman and Betts probably lacked the star power and the high-end talent that the Padres could offer. And that's why I think a lot of people picked the Padres in the division. But what the Dodgers do is they refuse to employ horrible baseball players for an extended period of time. Now, you could point at Miguel Rojas and his 187, 247, 227 slash line and argue against my point, sure. But they are very skilled at filling in the cracks. And whether that's through player acquisition or player development or guys coming up from the minor leagues, like they have had a player like James Outman hop right up and contribute. Whereas I know he's been a little hurt. Like Luis and being a catcher is different, but like Luis Camposano has struggled to contribute as like a, you know, tertiary 
member of the Padres team for the last three seasons. Like, I would imagine if he was in the Dodgers, like, the Dodgers would have probably found a way for him to, like, be a contributing member of the team. You know what I mean? And, like, yeah. that's what's so concerning about the Padres is that they're going up against the Dodgers. It's not just the enormous payroll and the stars. It's that the Dodgers just, like, do – like, the Dodgers don't look like the Padres do right now. Like, they just don't get to a point, they never at do. least in recent memory, yeah. where they're just scuffling this bad and the vibes are so abhorrent. Yeah. Like, we haven't seen that. And that's yeah. because they have these systems in place to make sure that that doesn't happen. Right. I will say – I guess no. Austin Barnes – I should say, I guess Austin Barnes has a negative 12 OPS plus. Austin Ola is not too far ahead of him. So I will say the one thing we definitely underrated with the Dodgers, I mean, the Muncie resurgence is one thing. I mean, he's got 15 homers. But Will Smith is, I mean, he's insane. I mean, he's got, he only struck out 10 times and, you know, he's got seven home runs. I know he was injured a little bit, but he's got a 163 OPS plus. Like he is, he is boring as hell. But he is an absolute star on, on if not near the level of Freeman and Betts. From a production standpoint, he deserves to be in that conversation. So, uh, and, and especially looks bad compared to Nola, where they've had basically the worst catching offensively in, in the league, or at least close to it. Yeah, the vibes are confusing and weird in San Diego right now. I, I still think they're going to make the playoffs. Like, I just, I'll go down betting on the team with Juan Soto, Xander Bogarts, Fernando Tatis, and Manny Machado. Like, and, and if that comes back to bite me, okay. Like, yeah, right. sure, whatever. Like, w- what are you going to do, right? And I think that's really is what sucks for Padres fans right now is like the famous lovable players are all there on the field playing the sport. And yet, like, they go home feeling sad. Whereas, you know, they could have done the same. It's the same as like eight years ago when they were employing Bet- Brett Wallace and Alexi Amarista. You know, but they still go home feeling sad. And yeah. I, I do want to say, like, for Padres fans who are frustrated, it sucks. Yeah, it's better than it used to be, man. Like, I under like to have loved and lost a couple of series at home to the Royals. Is it better to have loved it all? I don't know. Yeah, I think that's fair. I, I I'm not doing their season either, but we are going to have to adjust expectations because the expectations were really high like as they should have been again look at this roster all right let's you know that on. sign that yeah. says our expectations for you were low but holy fuck it's, that is our expectations for you are really high holy fuck uh let's move on to a little bit of uh, new york chatter i know you're not in new york as you usually are jake but i did want to check in a little bit on the yankees and mets before we send it to break i did jaywalk this morning here in california so i am making sure okay. to st- Stay at home. All right, good. If that makes sense, you, you are still, still uh, representing New York uh, wherever you go. Okay, so the Mets and Yankees just had very important series against the Rays and Jays, and what we had in both series was kind of an awakening. I know the Mets were at home, the Yankees were on the road, but a bit of a oh, you know, <laughs> we're so fucking back from both fan bases. I saw all the Mets and Yankees fans on our timeline. Just over the course of the season, you know, they didn't necessarily sweep. They had some ugly losses in there, too. But also there was just multiple moments that gave both teams the fan bases reasons to be like, oh, we're so back. Oh, we're coming for first place. You can't stop us now. Now, the Yankees are 25 and 20. The Mets are 21 and 23. It doesn't necessarily reflect in the standings quite yet. But which of these two teams do you feel better about relative to Sunday uh, than, uh, than, you know, compared to each other. Which team are you more optimistic about after this week than compared to a week ago? 
I would say the bigger delta, the bigger change would be the Mets, but like I still feel way better about the Yankees. I like agree. I think I saw Jolly Olive tweet this out or something about how the Mets this year had had no memorable wins and how compared to last year at this time, like there were like eight memorable wins already. And they got those memorable wins this week. Like that that win against the Rays on Wednesday with the Alonzo Homer, like that, those are the things you need to be a great team. Like you have to pull shit out of your ass all the time, right? And fit and create moments that people take home and, and don't forget. Yeah. And the Mets this year, I think I've spoken about this. It's not just that they've been bad. They've been boring, unwatchable, and uninteresting. Like, we're used to when the Mets stink, there's drama and there's intrigue. And it's like a the real housewives of Queens, you know? And it just hasn't been that. And this week, they got some punch back. They got a little bit of their swagger back. Yeah, New York is back, baby! Yeah, that's what we're hearing. And uh, again, not just the Alonzo walk-off, but before that with Vientos and Alvarez. Uh, the Alvarez, I, I, please, if someone saw a full clip, I know the, the SMY broadcast gets all kinds of love, as it should, but I, the, his bat flip on Wednesday, at least from the first angle, from a velocity standpoint, looked, I mean, about as intense as you can get, but I never saw a full shot of the bat trajectory. I would like to see that. If anyone has a clip of that, please send it to me. But the point is, having those moments, of course, you have Pete who's been their best player this season. But you have the young guys come up, Vientos immediately coming up and delivering a big hit like that. It was cool because that's what they want. They want they want the kids. Now listen, uh, are we feeling any better about the pitching? I know Sanga looked awesome. So that was that was awesome. Seeing Sanga have his best start so far, not that he's been bad. He hasn't really been the problem. That was cool. But there's still a lot. <laughs> I'm still not feeling great about this pitching step. To your point, in terms of how I'm feeling about the team overall, I do still feel like I'm leaning more towards the Yankees as far as where I feel like these teams can go. But yeah, in terms of the the delta of where we were a week ago, the Mets are absolutely feeling way better. Um, so I agree with you on that. But we'll see. I mean, the Yankees are the Yankees are a really weird team right now. They still have all these missing injuries, but with Judge back, we're just kind of starting to look like it was last year. The difference is that the pitching besides Garrett Cole is just a complete circus. Like I have no idea what I'm counting on from anybody in this uh, in, in that Yankees, you know, staff. Did you see the Jose uh, Trevino thing where he said real baseball fans know what was on Domingo Herman's pants? Um, I didn't. <laughs> it's very funny. So, all right, you're a real baseball fan, Jake. Why don't you translate for us? It was some fat chaw. It was chewing tobacco. It was a, a lipper, which is very bizarre that Trevino like didn't even say. He's like, yeah, it was dip. It's like, yeah. yeah. Also, I hate the idea that only real baseball fans know it. You have to know what dip is. You have to know what the chaw is about in order to like this sport. Yeah. Well, unfortunately, there are uh, a lot of people that have nothing to do with baseball that spend a lot of time chewing tobacco. But also, the thing about that is, okay, great. So that's what was on his pants. That doesn't really explain why the umpire said it was the stickiest hand he's ever felt. So I'm glad we've cleared up what was on his pants. But um, I'm not sure that really clears him. What's the name of the Theranos lady? Holmes? Elizabeth Holmes. I need like an Elizabeth Holmes style. um, Like her whole thing was like those blood test machines. We need something that measures stickiness. I need like a little hand machine. It, it exists. You like, you go to the airport. You know, like when you do your fingerprints or whatever in the airport, they test your skin. I need like the umpire brings out the like the box right. and like the pitcher puts the hand in the box. It's like 
you are 8.9 out of 10 on the sticks, the sticky scale on the, you know, who should we name that after? Like Hoyt Wilhelm or like. Well, I, at this point, it should be Domingo Herman. <laughs> who can't? Who can't? I don't want to Michael, name anything Michael after Pineda. Domingo I mean, to Talk about the the OG most embarrassing uh, sticky stuff. Um, you know, uh, offense we've seen. I would say. I mean, listen, it, it is possible. We've heard. You know, my my fiance is a PhD chemist. Like this is possible. It's just that the machines for this are probably very expensive and not exactly that. You you're not going to be able to keep both pace of play and let's scientifically measure the stickiness of people's hands. So I'm just Googled um, how to measure stickiness. Hmm. Um, and it doesn't seem like it's related to sticky. It's more about like customer stickiness in business. So <laughs> okay. um, maybe we take a break and come back. All right, perfect. Well, Jake's going to go do some more research. We're going to take a quick break. When we return, we're going to ask some people why they haven't homered yet, give you the good, the bad, the ugly, and say goodbye. Hey, everybody. I'm James Hinchcliffe. And I'm Alexander Rossi. And we're the hosts of Off Track with Hinch and Rossi. The biggest race on the IndyCar calendar, the Indianapolis 500, is right around the corner, which means the much-anticipated docuseries 100 Days to Indy has begun. Each Thursday, right after new episodes of the show drop on The CW, we'll be dropping our own reaction podcast on the Off Track feed as we break down everything that we saw in the episode and talk about which one of our friends are really putting it on for the camp. Listen to Off Track now on Stitcher, Apple, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back here on Baseball Barbacast. Jake Mintz, Jordan Schusterman, two guys with zero home runs on the season. That's us. And we are now going to talk about our peers in the zero HR column. It is time for another edition of Why Haven't You Homered Yet? Where I ask the question of some baseball players who have had a certain number of or a healthy number of uh, trips to the plate this year in the major leagues and have yet to send one over the fence. So Jake, uh, as always, you will stand in for these uh, defendants and try and ask or try and answer why they have not homered yet. We begin with the player with the seventh most played appearances this year without a home run. That is Tim Anderson, TA7. I know you missed some time, but why haven't you homered yet? Been focused on leadership. Mm. How's that going? Uh, work in progress. Um, yeah, <laughs> I love you know Anderson I dearly, but uh, I to him it's like I'm just I'm as related to Andrew Benintendi is another one on this list. I'm not even going to bother asking. White Sox when the vibes are this bad, I it's it's just like it's hard to like will to to get the to to you know produce the bat speed enough to hit the ball over the fence. Tim Anderson is a talented baseball player. I Tim Anderson am a talented baseball player. However, one thing that you know about me is I run off of vibes. And when the vibes are good, I feed off the vibes. When the vibes are bad, I need those vibes. And so for TA, like, you're right. He needs the vibe juice box full of of vibe juice in order to really send one a flying. Fair enough. All right, we move on to our next candidate. This guy only has 74 plate appearances this year. I believe he is injured, but again, homers were his thing not long ago. Luke Voigt. Luke Voigt, what the heck, man? I don't know when you last played, but why haven't you homered yet? I have not homered yet because do you know what my brother's name is? What? What is it? John. My brother's name is actually John Voigt. 
And okay. I, whenever I'm up there at the plate now, hitting, and I see the pitch coming in, I think, why didn't my parents name my brother John Voigt? And then I swing and miss. That sucks. That's a that's gonna be ruining your season as long as I mean that's not gonna change anytime soon, which is concerning. But get healthy. Maybe you could launch one to the slide in left field. Our next player is oh this one this one hurts my hurts my soul here. Uh, Miguel Cabrera. Miguel Cabrera, you have not hit a home run yet. You are hitting 182 in your last hurrah in Detroit. I'm not expecting much. I'm not saying you need to go back to hitting 30 homers a year. But just one? Can we give the fans just one? Why haven't you homered yet, Miggy? I'm focused on saying goodbye. You know, it's you don't want to get distracted. People have told me in my final season to stop and smell the roses, to take in every moment. And that's easier to do when you're not homering. Because when you homer, there's a whole lot of hoopla and you lose track of where you are. And I don't want that. You know, I want to remember this forever. And so I think a home run for me now would be uh, distracting for, and, and harder for people to say goodbye. You have enough of them, right? It's not like you really, really needed more home runs. So, Like imagine like this, you know, me, Miguel Cabrera retiring is like the equivalent of saying goodbye to a friend after a while. You'll still see them, but they're moving away and your relationship with them will change. Uh, now imagine that happening and I'm just hitting home runs all the time. That just complicates the goodbye and the interaction, right? Like when you left New York, Jordan, like you didn't hit any home runs and now we're still friends. So we're good. That's true. Great point. All right. Our last one. I probably did it last time, but we're still waiting. Jose Abreu. My God, what is it going to take? Why haven't you homered yet? Your OPS plus is 47. You are not supposed to be on a goodbye tour. You're supposed to be an important part of the Houston Astros lineup. And you have a 531 OPS. What the heck's going on? I'm 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 pressing. I'm trying too hard. You, is really what's happening. I think you are. That's a real answer. Hard. Yeah. He wants it so bad. There was an article in the Athletic about this about how like Jose Bray, like he's always sweating and like he's always giving it his all. I would like, I'm like, dude, you should give it less. Like, give it way less. Do a week where you just don't care. And you just get up there and hit and see what happens. I agree. Remember, right, our conversation about Jackson Holiday being like, yeah, I was trying to hit a home run and how we made fun of the people say, oh, I'm not trying to do too much. No, this is when you need to try to do as little as possible. Do not show up early. Do not get in the weight room. Do not eat healthy. Just be Jose Abreu. Just please. You, you need to just go and literally show up to the game at first pitch and throw on your baseball pants and step into the box and you'll probably hit a home run because whatever's going on right now, trying harder does not appear to be the solution. I All agree right, with Jake. you wholeheartedly. Let's move on to the good, the bad, and the ugly, Jordan. The weekly review where we say one thing good, one thing bad, and one thing weird, a.k.a. Ugla. Shouts out to Dan Ugla. I'm going to start, I think, this week, if that's Please. okay. I would like to briefly talk about, for my good, is Lamont Wade. Mm -hmm. Good one. Okay. He good. Lamont Lamont Wade, who was drafted by the Minnesota Twins as an outfielder out of Maryland and was like just a for, really a forgettable prospect. Like he was kind of like maybe he'll be like a fourth outfielder and we'll see how things go. And he has developed now with the Giants into one of the most bizarre, unique players in baseball. He is just kind of like a stout first baseman now. 
He's the starting first baseman for the San Francisco Giants and has become uh, inexplicably one of the best hitters in baseball. He is eighth in WRC Plus, tied for seventh with Sean Murphy. He only has seven home runs. He is walking just an absolute boatload. He swings less than anyone else in the league. He does not chase, and he obliterates the ball when it is in the zone. He has just started as one thing and has developed into something that nobody ever thought he would be. This is like, oh, fourth outfielder guy is just Max Muncy with less power. Well, the crazy thing about Wade is like in 2021, he was awesome. And it felt like he had a million big hits because, and that's because he did. He had a, his OPS plus was 117. He was an above average hitter, but he was concentrating all of his hits like in the ninth inning. He had, I don't have the exact numbers here, but like his stats in like the clutch and in, you know, high level situations were completely historically good. And so, you know, late night Lamont was just a thing because it was like, oh, there's Lamont. Of course he did that again. But now, as you said, now he's just one of the best hitters in the league, which is amazing. And I love that development. And I'm glad that uh, the Giants, who are they good? Should we be talking about them? They just want the Phillies. Who knows? But I, I am sold on Lamont Wade Jr. I agree. He is definitively good. So is my good. And that is Yandy Diaz. Uh, Jake, today, uh, Ken Rosenthal wrote a story about the four Rays hitters who have really emerged to kind of turn their offense into the the offense that it is. That's Luke Rayleigh, that's Taylor Walls, that's Isak Paredes, and Josh Lowe. Uh, and that's true. But none of those guys have the best uh, WRC Plus in all of baseball. That is Yandy Diaz. We have been screaming at this yoked gentleman for years to elevate the baseball. He finally is. His launch angle is higher than ever. He's actually striking out more than he's walking out now. Uh, more than he's walking now. Uh, and it doesn't matter because he's hitting the ball harder than every player in baseball not named Aaron Judge. And he is absolutely ridiculous. This guy was amazing last year with nine home runs. He already has 10 home runs in the middle of May. He might hit 25. He's still going to walk a ton and not strike out a bunch. And with him and Wander and those four other guys who were raking for the Rays, that's, that's what makes him so special. And uh, he's one of my favorite players. And it is cool to see him continue to elevate his game beyond what I thought was possible. My bad is Ben Rortvet. So Ben Rortvet is a catcher who was sent from Minnesota to the New York Yankees in the Josh Donaldson, IKF, Gary Sanchez, Gio Urshela deal. Ben Rortvet, upon reaching New York, got hurt like right away. And a joke began on Yankees Twitter that Ben Rortvet is not real, that he is just a figment of the imagination because for a year and change, he did not play in a game. He's been barely been seen at all, and that is until now because he did his rehab for something, and he was uh, brought up to the big league team this week because Jose Trevino is on the IL. And Ben Rodfett, after a year and a half of being a Yankee, I mean, he became a Yankee in, like, tw- the beginning of 2022, right? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, like February 2022, like right after the lockout, I guess right. that trade was, right? Yep. And he has not played yet. He has not played yet. And he's going to play this weekend. And that's bad because I like the bit. I think it's really funny. And the second we see a picture of Ben Wartfett in the pinstripes on the field, the joke falls apart. I agree. Another one of the... Um, I, I was thinking about Ben Wartfett recently when I wrote about Jonah Heim and a high school catcher. He was a second round pick out of a high school in Wisconsin as a catcher. And I mean, he's only 25, but I mean, he's been just grinding for a long, long, long time. 
very weird profile, but I agree with you. Also, that does remind me that we did not mention when talking about the Mets and Yankees that the Mets recalled Gary Sanchez today. So for the 36% of people that voted in my poll about how many games Gary Sanchez will play for the Mets this year, the 36% that said 1 to 10, you should be feeling great. Uh, and I'm, I'm very excited to see Gary uh, put on the blue pinstripes. I, I like it when players like Gary Sanchez or Ben Wordfett are recalled to the big leagues because that mm. word is so what perfect. Gary Sanchez is doing. He, we, oh, right. I recall him. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is perfect in the context of the GM. Where it's like, oh, what was that guy we had? He was hurt. We traded for him. And then he was, yeah, we, what was he? Oh, I, right. Work bad. Yeah, get that guy. Wait, let's, get, let's bring him back. Uh, Jake, my bad is we got to own this, man. And listen, I don't want to say that we are bad at our jobs, but there's one thing that we, one take that we put out into the world for this season that has legitimately aged as poorly as could possibly have been aged. And he's, Jake's smiling on the other end of the Zoom. I think he knows what it is, but do you, do you know what it is? Do you know, do you know what it is? Do you, do you know what it is? It is on an individual level. It's an individual level. Jaron uh, Duran. No, 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 no. This is on the negative side. This is bad. This is bad. This is a bad take and who has been a bad pitcher, Jake. And oh, that is Mr. Yeah, that is Alec Manoa. Alec Manoa. So we did a project for this season, ranking all the players. Well, ranking all the teams based on how much talent they had age 26 or under. Very proud of the project. I think we did great work. I stand by a lot of it. But one of our toughest calls when we were ranking the under 26 pitchers was the top of the list, Jake. And at the top of the list, we were deciding between Alec Manoa, Shane McClanahan, and Spencer Strider. And we decided to go with Alec Manoa at top of the list on the basis of we believe this dude is an absolute hoss. And while the stuff isn't quite as good as McClanahan or Strider, for the long haul, for the next five years, for someone who is confidently going to take the ball every five days, and just do his thing and just basically bully major league hitters because he's enormous and he's Alec Manoa and he says, here, hit it. Well, he said, here, hit it, and people are hitting it. Actually, he said, here, take your base because he's walking more guys than ever. He has the worst FIP of any starting pitcher in baseball, Jake. It is going terribly for Alec Manoa. Do I think he's this bad? Here's why this is bad. This is why this is bad. The take on its own, Manoa over Strider and McClanahan, there was a version where all three of them were good and we still looked bad. You know what I mean? Like there was a version where Manoa was similar to last year, but McClanahan and Strider were so good where it was like, what the hell, you idiots, right? Uh, and in this case, it's just like, oh my God, I mean, he's been the worst pitcher in the league. And so I just don't even know what to make of this. There's no way he's this bad. Uh, but right now, he's bad. We're bad. Everything is bad. It makes me sad. There's my bad. Here's my ugla. Jordan, are you familiar with a baseball team called the Mumbai Cobras? <laughs> I am now, yes. You sent me a link to this. I did. This is a story I have been vaguely following because Felix Hernandez is involved. Um, and I just, it's so ridiculous. I, I love it, but it's like so far in the ridiculous ugla that I haven't like really started to process it. So tell me more about the Mumbai Cobras. So there is a organization called Baseball United, and it's a little vague what their goal is, but I think it is essentially uh, the opportunity 
an organization that is trying to promote baseball in the Middle East uh, and South Asia, right? And so, like, the entryway to that is cricket. So basically using cricket as a blueprint to have baseball in the region, right? Why is cricket exciting to people? Why do they love it? What can we do with the sport of baseball in these places to kind of make it accessible and interesting to those people? But in doing this, okay, so people involved in this, Adrian Beltre, Elvis Andrews, Barry Larkin, Felix Hernandez, Mariana Rivera are like all involved or financially like on the hook here. So there's real juice, like there's real names behind this thing, right? And the guy running it is like trying to grow the game over there, and I like that. And so the first uh, tournament that they're doing is four teams, I believe, three of which have yet to been created, franchises, franchises in quotes, because they won't actually play in those cities yet. But one of them is the Mumbai Cobras, and they were announced this week, and the logo looks sweet. They're purple and black. Like, love it. I want a Mumbai Cobras shirt right now. They're playing a four-team tournament in Dubai in November. And I came across this because friend of the show, Shed Long Jr., tweeted out or posted on Instagram, like, he is part of the player pool for this tournament. And I am so interested into, like, who is going to play in this. Like, Carlos Martinez is in. Like, he's involved in this. He's going to play over there. Like, we're just going to have this pop-up baseball tournament in November in Dubai. And after the World Series, we're going to be like, what is happening? Why is Carlos Martinez over there? Like, there's Felix Hernandez in Dubai, like, at a baseball cricket pitch throwing out a ball, right? Like, we're going to be so confused, and it's so ugly, I can't wait. I love it. That's a great call. And yeah, I, I'm glad we're getting on this now so that we can start to process what this will actually look like. All right. My ugly. Do you want to go? Do you want to go? Uh, sure. Yeah. We'll just hit up. Yeah, I mean, you got, you got connections. You fly us over there. Sure. Seems like something one of our employers will happily pay for. No problem. All right. My ugly this week is about shutouts, Jake. Shutouts. Let's talk about shutouts. So uh, the A's, you just saw the A's, right? They're pretty bad, right? They stink. Bad pitching staff, right? We know that. So the A's are the only team this season that have not thrown a show. Sorry, they're one of two teams this season that has yet to throw a shutout as a team. Forget complete game shutouts. Those are, those are a thing of the past. We're going to have like three more of those all season by individual pitchers, whatever. I'm just saying nine innings where your team doesn't allow the other team to score a run. The A's are one of two teams that have not recorded a shutout yet this season. Would you like to take a guess at the other team? The other team is a good team, probably, and that's why this is a bit or why it's a little ugly. I'm going to say the New York Mets. No, the Mets are the team that has been shut out the most. We'll talk about that in a second. It's the Boston Red Sox. The Boston Red Sox have not recorded a shutout yet. Um, And because of that, I am now tracking to see, okay, I want to say, okay, has any team not had any shutouts the entire season? It seems like impossible, right? It seems like something that would not be possible. It has happened one time and it was so perfect. The 1993 Colorado Rockies are the only team to not record a shutout in any of their 162 games. Shouts out to Armando Reynoso, who just, you know, he was doing his best atop that rotation. 
but it was just not quite good enough. But I was also curious about the reverse, which is, has there ever been a team that has not been shut out at all an entire season? That was, what would be more impressive? What would be more impressive? Uh, or I guess <laughs> more impressive. This is, that doesn't make any sense. What's more surprising? Like, would you expect that it would be a team that has never been shut out an entire season or a team that uh, was that never recorded a shutout all season? I think it's more surprising on the pitching side mm-hmm. than on the hitting side because I can imagine a lineup that's just so good they always push one across. Right. So as far as I can tell, no team has scored in every single game this season. A couple teams have done all but one, uh, including the uh, 19 uh, – where is this list? Uh, including the, uh, of course, the 1982 Brewers – were one, the 1970 Reds, they were pretty solid, 93 Blue Jays, 98 Cardinals, 2001 Rangers. But no team has done it for scoring in every single game. And so far this year, we do still have four teams that have scored in every game. That is the D-backs, the Angels, the Blue Jays, and the Cubs. So I know the Cubs especially have been really struggling lately. But just know you have yet to be shut out, and you have that you can chase all three, four of these teams. We will see, can they go the whole season without being shut out? Obviously not. But as far as uh, seven weeks into the season, I will be keeping my eyes on those, on both whether those teams can get shut out or whether the Boston Red Sox or the Oakland A's can record a shutout. That is my UGLA this week. I will gamble that the A's do not record a shutout all year. I watch their pitchers do their thing. And the reason I believe this is because it is not just that their starting staff is bad. It is that their relief core is just a dartboard of mediocrity at the moment. And I just think that every pitcher they have around is liable to give up some late inning runs at some point. Also, like Mason Miller was doing his job and he got hurt. If Mason Miller was healthy, I, I would bet that they could get it. But as long as he's out, I, I basically don't think they have a chance. So I agree with you. That will be. We'll see if they can join the 1993 Rockies on that, that very exclusive club. All right, Jake, let's end this here podcast. Three series to watch this weekend that you are most looking forward to. Uh, which ones are you keeping an eye on? Even though it is an East Coast series and I am on the West Coast for a very important wedding, I am going to be locked into Orioles Blue Jays, a battle of the aviary AL East foes. These two teams, like the Blue Jays are coming off the series with the Yankees and they're like hyped up and ready for some like AL East, like gobbledygook, you know? And now the Orioles are are haven't really had too much spice this year. And I want a little bit of a chippiness in this one. So that's what I'm looking forward to. Uh, Guardians Mets in the Francisco Lindor trade bowl. How did things go? Did both teams improve? Yeah, certainly. But if like Lindor goes like 0 for 4, 15 this weekend, it'll be a story. And if he goes 10 for 15, it'll be a story too. And then Brewers Rays, I'm excited about. I believe that these are like the two smartest teams in baseball in a very like oversimplified sense of the term. And I don't think the Brewers get enough credit for just being the Rays um, in, in a lot of different ways. And I'm I'm fascinated whenever these two teams play, especially considering how much they trade with each other. Yes, true. I mean, Brewers are really good and the Rays are way better, but we'll see. They will be able to uh, make a little statement there uh, as the National League representative of the nerds in that matchup the three series i'm watching cubs phillies oh boy 
I, I usually target the ones where both fan bases are feeling a little dicey, and Cubs Phillies perfectly represents that. Red Sox Padres, I think, is also an interesting one in that regard. Again, uh, remember the Red Sox have yet to be to yet to record a shutout this year. If the Padres get shut out at home against the Red Sox for the Red Sox first shutout, then then we really know we can we can crank up that panic meter. Uh, and then Cardinals Dodgers, that is a a opportunity now for the Cardinals who won a wild one on Thursday, 16-8, putting up a boatload of runs against the Dodgers. So we'll see if they could, because the Cardinals, again, they're trying to get back into things, and a serious win against the Dodgers would be a great way to get that started. So those are the three that I am watching. Any final thoughts, Jake, before you uh, return to your, um, uh, (laughs) I don't know what the best way to put it is, all the tasks you have to complete uh, for this week? Yeah, I mean, I'll talk about So my girlfriend... We've been together for a long time. Her sister is getting married. Okay. And so there is no role at a wedding, right? More um, tasked with doing tasks than the boyfriend of the sister of the person getting married. Okay. Mm. I am it you. getting, I'm, it me, baby. I am the temp. I'm King Temp. I have, your are things I've really done. This is not a bit. I've picked up coffee at the same coffee place multiple times in a day, okay? I have picked up dry cleaning, okay? I dropped off the goodie bags at the hotel, all 68 of them, all right? And I am amped. I am happy to be a part of it. I'm not complaining. I want to be very clear. But that, for the last two days and for the next two days, that is my entire persona. How can I help you? What can I do for you? I'm going to pretend as if I went to hospitality school. Okay, and so if I'm not locked into Orioles Blue Jays because I'm making sure that the orange juice is delivered to the brunch on Monday morning, just know that's why. An absolute gentleman. Thank you, Jake. Uh, Good luck with all of your tasks. Thank you to Chris Tyler for producing this episode of Baseball Barbacast. We'll be back on Monday. It'll be just me and uh, hopefully a special guest host as Jake uh, finishes out his wedding responsibilities. Uh, But until then, we hope you guys all have a great weekend. And uh, thanks for listening. Bye. Serious XM Podcasts.